This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Welcome, Second Winders. Today, I have the privilege of bringing to you Jill Hannah Anderson. I don't know how our paths crossed. We couldn't figure it out. She lives in Minnesota. I'm so glad, though, that however her name appeared in my book, it appeared there. And we had a great conversation. And there's so many things out of this conversation that you all are going to get. She is an author of now three books, working on her fourth. And didn't actually become an author till she was 57. She is a mother and a stepmother of six. She's a grandmother of 16, a wife, a sister, and a really good friend, which is how she began her journey into her first book after a series of aha moments. So welcome, Jill, to Second Wind, the podcast. Thank you so much, Wendy. I, I'm really happy to be here. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, even though you're like, who is this person? <laughs> no, oh no. When, once you contacted me, I went in and have watched all kinds of your pot, podcasts and I'm going back to watch more. Excellent. I love that. Well, listen for now because watching's coming. Yeah. That's the next step. Yes. As we as we gain almost 10,000 downloads soon. So I'm very excited. Wow. Just a little plug there. Okay. <laughs> so let's let's start with you know, the, the main, you have many aha moments that brought you to where you are now as a happy author and producing these books that are changing lives. And we'll talk about all the, the neat comments you've gotten from people and, and how you've helped them without even knowing you were going to do that. Talk about that main aha moment, that thing that, that, that ignited your passion, made you move forward and made you act. What was that? I was trying to think of how old I was. Well, I must have been about 39 or 40. And I had recently gone through a divorce and was at a work conference for a few days. And one of the breakout sessions was a motivational speaker, which usually, you know, you're kind of sleeping through, you've had lunch. And <laughs> yeah, especially after really lunch. Attention. But right. she, she was excellent. And I remember she, you know, we all had a pen and paper that we were supposed to be taking notes on. And I remember her saying, I have a question for all of you. This is not something you'll have to share, but I want you to think about it for yourself. And uh, she asked, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? And I had never even thought about, I was still trying to figure out. I remember when I went through my divorce, I actually sat on my bed with a pen and paper trying to think of what I wanted to do in my free time. I was working full-time and waitressing part-time, but I had, my oldest had just gone off to college. My youngest was in high school and 
gone a lot and I didn't have all of these commitments. Plus we had just sold a seven day a week business. So all, all of a sudden I had weekends free, which other than which, racing hadn't happened to me in several years. Right. So I remember sitting on my bed trying to come up with what do I want to do because I hadn't really thought about what I wanted to do since I got married at 20. Mm. So okay. when, when this speaker asked that question, it was a re- that was the first aha moment for me. Right. Because I remember three of the things that I wrote down. I think I ended up with five, but one of them was get into writing because I always loved to write, but I hadn't ever done anything with it. And I wanted to try running and I wanted to go back to school. And I don't remember the other two were. <laughs> you were also saying to me when, when she asked you that question, you said, I don't even, I don't even know. Like you had that moment of, I don't even know what I like and what I really want and who I really am at that point. And I was like, oh, I've had other people on the podcast that suddenly that something happened and they said, wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. I've gone this many years. I got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what happened to you. Because when you think about it, the last time I had had freedom to do what I wanted, I was 19 years old. Well, my goals were a lot. You went from living with your family to living with your husband, right? Well, yeah, I lived on my own for a couple of years because I graduated when I was 17. Okay. But um, yes. So I had those couple of years of freedom and I had a great time. But then, you know, what I wanted to do back then was completely different than what I would want to do as a mother of teenagers and, you know, 20 years older. So Mm -hmm. that was really, it, it took a long time to think, what do I, you know, what were my goals? A heck, if I remember, if I even had goals then. Right, you were on Bay Bay. You were a teenager. <laughs> yes. So that, that aha moment in that conference was interesting because the, the key point for what she asked was getting rid of that fear of failure. Mm-hmm. We can all have these goals and dreams. I have an, a god awful singing voice, so that would you know I could sit there and say, "Well, I want to be a professional singer." I could say that all day long. That's not going to happen, probably. Right. <laughs> but um, if if I knew I wasn't going to fail, I would have added that to the list because I love music. Huh. So what what she said kind of took that fear of failure away. If you could just think about what would you like, and heck, maybe that was one of the things that was on my list. I can't remember, but I knew that was really far-fetched. And I think because the older we get, as you and I talked about, the less we fear failing because we realize, well, what's the worst that can happen? It's no big deal. Right. I mean, usually it's not a big deal. You might be embarrassed, you know, by whatever, but at least you tried. Whereas when we're younger, I think we're more hesitant to possibly fail at something. Mm-hmm. And we also have all the life experience. Like we have tried things. They have failed. Oh, we're still standing. Yes, exactly. Right? The world didn't stop. Everything mm-hmm. kept going. No one really paid attention. Right. When you look back. Yes. It may like, have been devastating at the time to you, but 
Looking back, it's a little tiny blip on the radar. Yep. And and I was thinking of something the other day, you know, I'm sure I've heard it a lot where they, there's the saying of, um, we all think people think about us a lot more than they do or something like that. Basically, like, you know, you fail. So what? Nobody, nobody thought about that two seconds after it happened. Right. Other than yourself. You think about you. Mm-hmm. And all your stuff way more than anybody else thinks about mm-hmm. you and your stuff. Well, like I told you the other day, last year, when I was insistent on doing some 10 mile runs before I turned 61, just my own stupid goal. And when I only made it to eight mile runs, I'm angry at myself and, and realized there is not a single person in this whole world nobody <laughs> that cares if you do a 10 mile run, Jill, except for you. Right, and, and it was kind of enlightening because I thought, seriously, no, nobody is waiting for me to do it. Nobody is going to care if I run twenty miles. Nobody cares except for me. Get over it. Nobody exactly. Running, it's kind of liberating, right? It is. Yeah, yeah, I've been going through that too. It's like, oh, I didn't exercise my two or whatever hours today. Um, n- nobody cares. Right. <laughs> nobody nobody cares. cares. Right. Right. So you had this aha moment. What? So you get home from the conference. Has that has that changed you any? Has that made you think differently? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I had taken some night classes before that. Mm. Um, I did eventually go back and take more. And man, my classes were all over the place. But it it was just things I wanted to take. You know, I wanted a little more accounting, uh, business. But that wasn't it as much as the writing and the running, those really stuck with me for things I wanted to try. And, but they both take time. It's not like you just go out and run or just go out and write something that's readable for the, for others to see. And I think that's when I said, because again, I was working a eight to five job and then I did part-time waitressing. Oh, and you were a mother. Yeah, and a mother. Yeah. I remember saying something to my my youngest daughter who was a teenager at the time. And she's the one that because I felt guilty, because the things on the list were obviously things I wanted to do and and how selfish of me to focus on myself. Shame on me. And I, I remember saying something to her, and you know, she basically said, like, why would you, why would you not try them, mom? You know, I'm fine. It's not like she's a two-year-old that needed me. I mean, she needed me, but not like that. It was like Um, a mind opening experience for you to mm -hmm. find out that, oh, I don't need to be anything else but me now. Yeah. It, It was weird to actually have that time. Yeah. Um, like right. I said, my first husband and I had a business that was seven days a week, year round. I think we closed for Christmas and half a day at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So you go from that, plus then the last eight years, I worked somewhere else during the day. You go from that constant demand to all, all of the sudden having freedom and you can spend it on yourself. Like what? <laughs> right. Um, because you've already said some really amazing uh, drop the mic things that will resonate with many people. Cause it's almost like you, you, your kids leave if you had kids and they leave and 
you're like looking into this vast ocean when before it was this little tiny puddle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. know, if you if you compare your life, me is this little tiny puddle because it's all about them, the mm-hmm. house, the things, keeping everything together. And then now it's this huge, vast thing. And it can be a little daunting. And a lot of people just don't even know where to begin. So let's, yeah, let's dive back. So Jill, tell us who Jill is. How'd you grow up? I had a great childhood. I really, really was fortunate. My parents um, are going to soon celebrate their 65th wedding anniversary. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Amazing. Yes. And I have three brothers, no sisters. And my dad was in the Air Force and got out during Vietnam uh, so that we wouldn't be traveling all the time. Like I went to kindergarten in the Azor Islands, went to first grade in Florida. So then they they settled in the Twin Cities area mm-hmm. in, in Minnesota. So I grew up in the cities, but it felt like a small town and I loved it. And then my dad transferred with where he was working to a smaller town north of the cities. And because I graduated when I was 17, they made me go with them. It was the worst summer of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you loved where you were. I loved where I was. I was was moving away from my friends who were all still having grad parties and having a great time. Oh, gosh. And I moved to this town where I don't know anybody. It was not, it wasn't fun. I got over it. Anyway. You can all feel your pain, though. You work so hard to cultivate those relationships and find your footing in high school. And by the time it's over, you kind of want to bask in that a little bit. Yes. I missed a fun summer. I think I was there for three weeks. We moved the end of June. But um, so then I stayed, my parents still live in the town where they moved to, which is about four hours North of the twin cities. And so they've been there ever since. And I lived there for a while and then um, met my husband and we moved back to the city. So I ended up living close to where I grew up, which was you, great. And you met your husband because you were, were you waitressing at the time? No, nope. no, oh. I met him in a bar, you know, where every night. You just met him in a bar. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Drinking each was 19 then. And, and that yes. was at 19. <laughs> okay. And he was living in the cities, not too far from where I grew up. So I moved down there. We get married. And uh, build a house and I get pregnant right away. (laughs) Our daughter was born five days before our first anniversary. So um, you were 20, you said? Yes. Okay. I was like 21. I was 21 when I had her. Got married when I was 20. Had her at 21. Okay. And then um, my husband did not like living in the city. He's from a smaller town. And he found he wanted to start his own business. And I basically said, I will go anywhere. I just want to stay home with our daughter. I just wanted to be. You just felt that need that I need to do yes. this now. Instead of working full time. Right. So he finds this old general store in a small town. And two things stuck out in his mind when he saw the ad in the paper, uh, hunting and fishing. It was because part of a good part of the store was a, a 
sporting goods store. Well, he loves to hunt and fish. Oh, so he came, yep, he came to the town where I live in now, scoped out the store, and they had an attached house. He loved it. And I remember him coming back and saying, I said, well, how, how bad is the house? Well, nobody had lived in it for five years. Oh, yeah. And he said, well, we're living in a brand new house. We've just built this house. Oh, <laughs> and I remember no. saying, well, I think you'd rather live in our storage in the basement than you would at this house. And I'm like, it can't be that bad. Can't be that bad. So I think I saw it once. I'm not even sure. I think I must have made the trip once before we signed the papers. Anyway, we buy it, sell our house, move. Our daughter is now 10 months old. And when when they say nobody lived in the house for five years, no human lived in the house for five years, but there was a million bats (laughs) living in it. It was it was interesting. So anyway, I remember when we moved here, I'm thinking. Okay, one or two years, and then I'm, you know, we're leaving. Mm-hmm. And that was 1982, and I'm still here. <laughs> so was I'm this, still you, in that town. Were you when you moved to this house with this 10 month old baby? Like, were you just what? What were you? Were you like, I can't believe this. What am I oh. doing? Yeah. I remember like, I don't want to put her down anywhere. And we, we painted and we placed carpet. I mean, we did what we could, but right. I want, I won't get into the funny stories, but basically we had no living room. And at one point um, we had a mattress tied to the ceiling because we had no place to put anything extra. Oh my gosh. But like I was telling you earlier that the lemon of the story ended up being fodder for my second book and Molly inherits a store very similar to that. And it was very easy. It was a very easy book for me to write because I lived that part of it. Right. As far as her getting a bait shop and moving to a small town after living in a big city. So it, it was very easy research. (laughs) Yeah. That was your lemonade from your lemons. Yes, it was. We had that for 12 years. So, so we sold it around the time we got divorced. So that was, that was a really, and our oldest daughter was going off to college. Okay. So you were there for a while. Yes. That was a very tumultuous time. Yeah. I was going to use that word. That's a good word. And that's when I had that, when I went to that first conference. So the, the question to me at that conference came at the right time because I, all of a sudden had no seven day a week business. and my oldest daughter was off to college. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a life-changing period anyway. Right. And you said, just so people can understand, it wasn't like your husband ran the business and you did your own thing. You, you worked also. And when you weren't working, you were helping with the business. Yes. Well, we and, lived there. It was really hard to get away yeah. from that because you literally walked through the store and our house was there. Mm. So Yes, I worked a, an eight to five job and then we lived there. So we we took turns working nights and weekends. Yeah, it's a lot. So that we both stayed a little bit sane, not very sane, but a little bit sane. Yeah, but that's a lot. That's very stressful on any relationship because I'm in the, I've been in the restaurant business with my husband. 
you know, on and off since we we were dating and we were in the restaurant business, but now we own them. And it's, it's tough. It's tough to not separate. You can't, it's very hard to separate the two mm-hmm. it's your life and restaurants, much like a general store, you know, 24 yeah. seven things and, happen. And with us living right there, I mean, our daughters would, you know, they were stuck there too. Right. And if they needed something, they're coming out to the store and possibly asking you in front of customers. There was just no private. I really did not like the no privacy. I felt like I That's was interesting. Yeah. My kids would say they that growing up in the restaurants, especially my youngest would say, yeah, I didn't really like having my life be, a, you know, part of everybody's discussion at the mm-hmm. restaurant. Yeah. And it's almost like you can't help it. It's, it's so interesting. Well, yeah. So that's a stressful thing. So you get back from this conference, you're feeling this sort of way. And then you guys find, you guys decide to sell the general store. What made you do that? By then we had, our, we had already done that. Because we sold oh, okay. that before we got divorced. Got you. Um, okay. And then he went on to start another business in town here, which I wanted no part of. <laughs> I didn't want to get back in that again. Um, anyway, so that was, I was 39. A couple of years later, I got remarried, was still working full time. And then that was that second aha moment that I told you about when I was 45, our youngest left for college. And I remember my husband and I sitting down saying, well, we don't have sporting events, band concerts, you know, we don't have all of this to go to anymore. I said, um, I don't want to just sit home, but I, again, wasn't sure what we would want to do together as a couple. And one of the things that he found was they were starting, have you heard of the sport of curling? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So they were starting a curling club in our area that, that fall, they were having um, open house to kind of teach people how to curl. And it was his idea to go. And I, I had made fun of the sport when it was in the Olympics. So I'm like, I don't know. That's that thing where you're just with the things to trying to move this little thing without touching it. And, and people are like, yeah, on the ice. Okay. Okay. And I, I thought it was a a silly looking sport, but I I said, (laughs) I'm, I'm gained. So we go to the open house and we both like it and I fall in love with it. I mean, really? Yes. So okay. that, that came at a perfect time. They, they start the curling club. We meet all these new people there. I have loved it. So that's been, it's been about 14 years, I think 14, 15 years. Okay. Um, it's a great way to spend the winter. So that was one thing we did anyway. That's when I went back to the, Oh, I would remember, remember Jill, <laughs> you wanted to try running and writing. And it was also around that time that I started bartending Well, I was 46, because I, like I told you, we had four kids in college for a while. We had um, one of my daughters was getting married. Um, my stepson was going to get married the next year. It was, you know, between colleges and weddings. And my husband was already working two jobs. So um, I actually went to the local restaurant and asked if I could be a hostess, you know, to see people. I thought I'm going to be working all day. This would be something easy to do at night. Well, the owner, her name is Amy, insisted that she needed a bartender and she insisted that I could do it. And I said, you're crazy. I can open a beer and I can make a vodka tonic. 
<laughs> I can't do it. And, you know, most of our bartenders were in their 20s, early 30s, and I'm, I'm 46 now. She said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And I loved it. I loved the people I worked with. I, I loved it. Isn't that interesting um, that she said, you're, you said no, and she said, oh, yeah. Yeah. And you, well, I think I told you that when I said, why me? And she said, why not you? Yes. Why not you? Yeah. Why not? I had a whole list of reasons why not me, <laughs> but she wasn't listening. Anyway, I, so I really enjoyed it. So during that time was when um, I started running with the goal to run a 5k. And like I told you, I, I won my age bracket and that was it for me. It gave me the confidence and my next race was a half marathon. And um, I just, it was like a, a fun addiction. I, that I loved. And also during that time were um, these women in town. The nice thing about a small town is, you know, most everybody, our town is less than a thousand people. Mm -hmm. And there was two women that I really admired. Well, there's several women, but these two came to mind. One was a mother of, I believe, 15 children. And another one is a, a woman that worked out in the woods, you know, built roads, cut trees, had a well business for a while. And I had always wanted to talk to them just because I was curious about their lives. These are the Marys you were telling me about? Yes. Yep. The Mary. Okay. And so when I found this local magazine that uh, it was called Her Voice and their motto was for women, about women, by women. So it was all women writers. All the stories were about women. And uh, it had quite the following. So I emailed the editor and told her of my two ideas. And think I was going to put them all in one story. And she said, no, write them, but write, you know, interview them, but do two separate stories. And if I like them, I'll publish them. No, so I have to did. say, you are now, I don't know, the 10th person that said, and then I saw this magazine. And that gave me the idea. And, and so... As I connect all the dots with all you fabulous people on the second wind, it's like there's always some sign that is out there. I guess you're ready to see it now. And, and it just opens you up and moves you forward. Yep. That's a very good point that you're ready to see it. Because when I contacted her, that magazine had been around for a few years. And I had never, I thought I had never seen it until I realized Jill, that magazine was in the daily newspaper that you got at work. Right. You just never noticed it. That's exactly. So I actually read it, but it, it didn't click as far as me writing for it. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. And, okay. and I have told her, I, I um, put her in my acknowledgments for my first book because I said, you, your acceptance of my writing and encouragement for me to continue writing. Like I wrote, I think I told you, I wrote 30 articles for them over the next 10 years. Wow. If she would have shot me down, if I would have sent those two stories to her and she would have said, no, you know, your writing is not any good. I'm sorry. I probably would have never tried anything again, as far mm -hmm. as the writing, because you need that initial verification that you're heading down the right path. You know, the validation almost. Yes. And, and it doesn't have to be like, oh, you're you're an amazing author. I mean, right. just the fact that, oh, you're willing to publish this and then 
her coming back to me and saying, you know, what else do you have? Or would you like to interview this person? And so that was, that was another huge, that was a really big, busy time for me. I look back and um, I started bartending that April. My youngest daughter graduated from college in May. My oldest daughter got married in June. And I ran my first half marathon in eight, that April. And then I threw a 50th, 50th anniversary party for my parents. Anyway, it was all within wow. like four or five months. And that was when my first uh, story came out in the magazine. And I, yeah, and I'm bartending. and a whirlwind. It was. But again, that was when I really, okay, I ran my half marathon and I loved it. And I am starting to write for this magazine. So as far as the writing part of it, what went on from there was as I continued writing for the magazine and got received positive feedback, you know, from people that were reading the stories, that was when I thought, okay, I really would like to write a book. And that was when I knew that um, my friend was dying and that's when I got the idea. Yeah, let's, let's tell that. So, uh, so, okay. Go through this whirlwind and tell about, so this is part of you being a great friend and this is why you decided to write your first book. Correct. I'm thinking I wasn't a, a great friend because I didn't understand what she was going through. There's, there's a lot more behind it, but it was, and more about her is in my third book. (laughs) You know, I I think our lives are just in, in the books in a sense, a little bit of them. Uh, In fact, the third book is going to be dedicated to her because when I, I have been very lucky, I've had very minimal health problems and she had a lot of health problems. She almost died from leukemia when she was 30 Hmm. and had, all sorts of health problems after that, but she would put on a smile. And even though I was with her all the time, I never really understood what she was going through. Right. Anyway, her leukemia came back when she was in her fifties. And that's when I was telling you, I got the idea for my first book because uh, it was her and two other friends that we would go on a lot of trips together with. And I had other groups of friends that I would do things with. Um, like I still get together with my friends from high school. They oh, that's so fun. Family. Yep. And I have the women I curl with. Um, so there's, there's other groups, but these three other women, we would literally go out East together and, and just take a lot of trips and had fun. So when I knew that she was probably going to die, I started asking myself, what would you do, Jill, if you lost all three of these women, you know, that you go on so many trips with. And that was the, catapult to the idea for my first book. And so I literally was what you write several way too many drafts of the story because it changes so much as you, you do your revisions, but I had probably written one or two drafts of the book and then she passed away. Wow. Uh, which then living that particular experience, I went back and rewrote the first couple of chapters because now I have lived through what I have been writing about before that. Right. It changed. It changed again. Like, would you say now (laughs) this is a weird correlation, but it just popped into my head and I have to be, you know, cognizant of that. So every time you get on a yoga mat, it's a different practice. 
you're going to, your body's going to be different. You're going to be different. Would you say that every time you sit down to write, how you are writing is different based on what's going on every day? Yes. And and I'm amazed. Some, some people say they, you know, write, they have the mantra of write every day. I can't write every day, especially in the summer here, if we have a house full, you know, of a family and I don't want to write then I want to spend time with them, but also our emotions or what's going on in our personal life. For me, I think I had the edits for my second book that I was supposed to be working on. And we find out my mom has to have um, heart surgery and she had been having all kinds of health problems. And I remember just thinking, I can't deal. I can't deal with the book right now. Right. But now you're on deadline. You know, now they're waiting for you. Yeah. And- so wait, back up a second. So you write this first book mm-hmm. and were you like, Hmm, I think I wrote a book here. I think I want to publish it or how did that work? And so, you know, I see on Facebook and stuff, people like, oh, should I self-publish? Should I send it out? What should I do? And mm-hmm. there's so many things right now for writers. Which is right. interesting that you um, cross my- for me, the, the yeah. game changing in my writing for sure was joining Women's Fiction Writers Association, WFWA. I actually joined- the group before they became an, an official association, we started out in an e, an email Yahoo loop because there was, I don't, maybe 50 of us. And then they became an association. They have well over a thousand members. But for for me as a writer, especially living in a small town, they connected me with critique partners where we're all writing and we're all exchanging work. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Just so many informa- informational classes. I just attended one on Zoom last week about writing dialogue. It, it's just endless. They have so much information and a wealth of connections. So through them, I I learned that, you know, yes, you want to publish this book, obviously. And they liked it. In other words, they liked what you wrote. Yes. Well, and that's kind of, that's usually the purpose of it, but I really didn't know what to do with it. And so I learned those things through them, mm-hmm. you know, how to go about querying an, an agent or finding a small publisher, or if you choose to self-publish, they have a whole other group that, you know, is knowledgeable about that. So they, they were very helpful and um, other authors that are not in that group. I mean, Authors are amazingly supportive of each other because they know how much work you put into this one little book. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. And one of the authors that I really liked her book, she's, she wasn't in this association with me, but I had emailed her and she was so good. She looked at my query and anyway, ended up calling me a couple of times. And I remember her, what, what she asked me was, do you have an idea for a second book? Because most book contracts are for two books. So they're going to want to know what you're working on or what you have an idea for if they're interested in your first book. You, they usually don't just want one. Hmm. And I had this idea for this other book. And she said, this was the game changer. She said, can you tie them together at all? And that's when I came up with the To Helen Back Club. Because my first book, she hadn't joined that club. I just had a lot of it without this club. 
So I, I made this club and then I had Molly in the second story join the club. And that was the connection. They're standalone books. I have a lot of people read the second and not read the first. It doesn't matter. But when I went to the publisher, they wanted both books and they, they promote it as a series to kind of connect, you know, in, in the hopes that if one, if somebody reads one book, they'll read the other. Although in my case, they don't have to because they're standalones. But um, so then that spurred me to get that second book going. Mm-hmm. And what was the name of the first book? The To Helen Back Club. That's the To Helen Back Club. And mm-hmm. the name of the second book? Crazy Little Town Called Love. Ah, very cool. And then the the third book that um, I just signed with the new publisher on in January is After Perfect. So much After much shorter Perfect. title. <laughs> After Perfect. Yes. I can't wait to read these. So the first book, the women that are in the To Hell and Back Club. And the reason I had I came up with this is, and I'm not giving it too much away because if you read the synopsis on the back of the first book, you would and and the first chapter, you're going to know that this main character, Peyton, is supposed to be in a car with her three best friends. They're going to a craft fair for the day, and she has to stay behind to run an errand for one of her children. So she decides to drive separately. Comes across this car accident. It's her three friends. And yeah. basically, oh my God, they, they die. <laughs> it's, it's And everybody has to get past. I've had so many women write like, oh my gosh, I, I was crying at work. I didn't know I'd be crying. And I said, no, you have to get past it. It's not, a, it's not a sad story the whole time. But what I had to do for her is to get her to want to join this group, the To Helen Back Club women, I had to make her have nobody else to turn to. So she loses her best friends. She's going through a divorce. Her kids are off to school. Her, she's from Texas and her only sister lives in Texas and she's in Minnesota. I basically had to take any support group away from her. Mm. And then I made up this fun group of women in the To Hell and Back Club. And the only requirement for them was that they, they were looking for support from other women. And for a year, they couldn't tell their story so that nobody would judge them. Oh, how interesting. And they just really? would get together for these fun events. And what I found out is how many women out there are hurting. Because what has happened since that book came out, mm-hmm. I, I told my husband I could make a whole other book on th- things that I've heard from women, either emailing me or Facebook messaging me or whatever, trying to connect with me to find out if this is a club and we're oh if it's a real club yep they want to know where if there's a location near them oh my gosh i have heard some horrific i mean the things that women have gone through obviously men go through it too i think women are just more willing to reach out for support right um right definitely yeah so many women Mm -hmm. wanted to join this club and and even for a while, the publisher is telling me, well, maybe you should start, you know, what? And I'm like, I was just thinking that I'm like, well, uh, maybe I, I'm working full time. We got all these grandkids. I'm trying to get my second book out, promoting my first. You're trying book. to simplify. Also. Yeah, I can't do this. But right. that was going to be my response. 
to these women, you know, I, like I used the curling club for me as an example, we, you know, we have mixed curling, there's men's curling, women's night for curling is so much fun because it's just women. And that's, so I said, you just need to find your club that is either in the form of a, a knitting club, a book club, a curling club, you know, whatever you like to do, it's not going to be the same as this fun, fictitious group that I made, that I made up. But the point of why I'm telling you that is that's one of the reasons that writers keep writing, that feedback from readers keeps you going. This was sad feedback that I felt like I had no control over because all of these women were looking for that. Well, they were turning to you. Yeah. And I didn't. Right? And you're I like, ah, I'm not equipped for this. I only had to pretend one, but that just kind of shows you how many, how many women are looking. Right. For we support. all need somebody and we all need somebody to support and, and everybody wants to have fun. I mean, anyway, it, it was very interesting for me, a real eye opener of, um, uh, what's going on. And this was, you know, long before the pandemic, <laughs> the book came out in 2017. So, mm-hmm. um, Oh yeah. Imagine now. Oh, right. Well, and maybe that's why I was urged and persuaded and pushed to do second win. Cause some of the comments and feedback I'm getting is thank you so much. This is so I'm uplifting. I don't feel alone anymore. You know, that kind of stuff. And you're like, Oh, well, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad that's, that's working. Yes. Thank goodness for zoom. Right. I know. Seriously. There was something that you said that you had to get over in order to write these books and feel good about it. You said you had a little bit of imposter syndrome. Yes. Yep. How did you have, and I know you, you said you still grapple with it a little bit, but you know, you had to put yourself out there and and put this out into the world. Cause you said I used writing and journaling and stuff. Just, I had to get my feelings out. Mm-hmm. That's just how I functioned. Can you share a little bit about that and your how you got over that? Because I think a lot of us have imposter syndrome in, in all of our lives. Well, and if you think back to 10, 15, 20 years ago, writers could just write. They could mm-hmm. hole up in a lot of them are introverts and they could just hole up in their house and pluck away on a book, send it out into the world. And didn't really have to con- uh, make any connections with mm-hmm. the readers, other than maybe through snail mail or possibly email. And that that worked well. Of course, over the last several years, that's changed. Mm-hmm. You go out to book event. I mean, because it's getting harder and harder to get your the word about your book out there, and you have to connect with readers. Mm-hmm. If, I shouldn't say you have to, you, sh- you should. And everybody that knows me thinks I'm an extrovert. I do like to talk, <laughs> but I have to make myself, it's always that initial push to go out there. So, you know, like before I would meet with a book club or, or have a library event, anything like that, I'd be nervous thinking, oh, they're all going to be looking at me and I'm going to have to talk. But once once you get past that, it's no big deal. That's when you feel like an imposter. Like, why I'm no different than anybody else. But yet, it's funny because I find myself doing that very same thing to other authors. 
hmm. which is weird. I, I just was on a, a Zoom thing the other night with Kristen Hanna and Nancy Johnson. Kristen Hanna is, you know, one of the biggest authors. And, and I'm sitting there with stars in my eyes listening to her talk. And I think, okay, well, she probably just feels like she's just an ordinary person. Yeah, she, no. And that's true. Yeah. But um, the imposter syndrome really hits with the first book and, and gets a little better, I think, with each one. But I, authors say it's very common. Yeah. And you put yourself out there. Tell, tell that story. You walked into a book club. <laughs> That was that story. You walk in. Yep. So I I think I told you the, and that, so this whole interview was also nervous. I'm going to back up a little bit to what, so my book comes out May, 2017, my first one, Uh July of 2017, this big TV station in Minneapolis comes to our tiny little town because they would do like little weekend things, um, profiling these small towns in Minnesota in lake country because we have all these lakes around here so they happen to come to our town a friend of mine has a son that works for the tv station and she sets it up where they might interview me i have a book event i still don't know if they're going to interview me my book event is done it's this outside um, author talk uh, selling books signing them and everything and i then one of the camera crew and an interviewer walk up to me and they said, okay, you know, we'd like to interview. And I'm like instant flush of nerves. (laughs) But anyway, so then, then they did and they put it on their Facebook page. And that's when I said, I received um, all book clubs from all over the state wanting to read my book. And so I would go and meet with as many as I could. My husband said, how far are you going to drive? And I said, as far as I need to. You know, oh, <laughs> because I wanted that connection from my first book. Right. Anyway, um, so yeah, one of them that I was telling you about was funny. They had, um, we were going to have dinner and I'm sitting down at the table with all these women. And I knew one of them, the one that connected with me and we sit down and they all, t- I'm at the head of the table and they all just turn and look at me and I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Is there something in my teeth? Yeah. Am I supposed to do a a cartwheel? (laughs) You know, anyway. But they were all looking at you because you were the main attraction. Right. Well, I guess. And I was their guest. And I mean, I was there for a reason, you know, where the rest of them were their book club. So, right. But they just hadn't had an author at a book event before. And I think they weren't sure what I was going to do. And I wasn't sure what they wanted me to do. <laughs> I thought we were just going to eat first. But anyway, it was fine after that. But it, I, I felt very uncomfortable when there was like 10 of them. And they all just turned around. <laughs> but every one of those experiences gave you, you know, your legs, so to speak. Yes. So that you would. Yeah. And I loved everyone. I mean, that, that's the that's the best part is connecting with people that like to read your books specifically, but just readers in general, I like to just talk books in general because normally what happens is then they'll ask me for, you know, books I recommend or whatever. Um, And that's, that's another thing. If anybody that watches this, if, if they're readers in general, the best thing you can do for an author is leave them a review. You know, interesting. Yeah. 
What Same platform with podcasting. Reviews are huge. They yeah. are because if you don't get those, you're already self-doubting. Mm-hmm. You know, should I write another book? Is it worth it? Because it takes thousands of hours. Yeah, making a difference is is this resonating with anyone? Yes. Right? Or am I just, just talking to the wall? Yeah, because you could just journal and just right. write your story. You don't right. actually have to put it out there. Yep. So when you when you get reviews, um, it's a an affirmation that it's worth continuing on. Like I said, I I have I've tried to quit writing. <laughs> I thought, why am I spending so much time on this? But I just I can't seem to not. You get these stories and, and I think I have even thought, well, I'll just write one draft, just get it down out of my head. And that's it. And I did that with my third book and I put it aside for a while and it would not, it would not stop talking. Like, yes. And one, it was kind of haunting you a little bit. Yes. So I went yeah, back and I'm like, okay, I guess. Well, obviously you're supposed to be doing this. Obviously. Well, and, and I do remind myself now I'm retired. So I retired almost three years ago. And this last year, the one good thing that has been with the pandemic is I've I've done a lot of writing and I haven't felt guilty about it because it hasn't taken me away from doing other things. I right. haven't been able to curl. I haven't been able to spend time with grandkids. So I might as well write. I'm trying to get as much done as I can now in hopes that soon our family can come back and I can enjoy them. Yeah, that'll happen. Don't worry. Yeah, Jill, tell me this. Um you as a writer now, would you say, I mean, it sounds like this is, this is it. This is your passion. This is your second win. This is, this is what keeps you ticking your why. Yes. Yeah. It, it is. And, and the nice thing about writing is unlike running, although there are some that do it, but you can do it at any age. Yeah. You know, you can be in your eighties and write and it's, it's not going to matter as long as I can still come up with stories. It's not like it's a physical thing. Compared well, it to doesn't reading. sound like you have to come up with stories. It sounds like they just pop into your head. Right. I, I have probably another half a dozen stories. Oh, wow. Right now. That, that are already mulling around. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Really? And I'm trying to keep them away because you really like if, if you, if I go back to talk about my first book or something, I have to really think about what that book is about. I try to not intermingle You're compartmentalizing them. Yes. So if I have an idea, sometimes I'll just write it down and I'll start like a folder on my desktop and throw my ideas in there. And I just want to close that door then because I don't want those ideas filtering into the book I'm working on now. Huh. Yeah. Not being a writer. I don't. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Right. One thing that I want to say too is you know, when, when you're, t- well, the whole purpose of your second win is women doing whatever they want, you know, they're pursuing their dreams later in life. Right. Um, and in my case, you know, mine was writing and running, but I think of all the things that I, I cannot sew a straight line. I'm not crafty, you know, in those ways. And I, I think of all the amazing things that I, I know other women have done later in life. One of the articles I wrote for this women's magazine was, it was titled Running Down Your Dream. And I had a woman send me a note after that came out that she was in her 70s 
And after reading that, she decided to try out for a play for the first time. Oh, wow. Got a part in the play. And she was so happy. And I thought that that's a perfect example of the purpose of your podcast is women thinking, why, why not me? Why not me? Why not at this age? I'm I'm going to be, I'm going to be 75, whether I try out for the play or I don't try out for the play. And that's kind of how I felt when I started writing or running. I mean, like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I thought I was old at the time, 45 to start running. Now I look back and that seems young, but but it was the same thing. And I remember thinking, well, if I don't try now, I'm never going to be this young again. You know, so I think it's easy for us to to put things off. But why? Why? Good question. Why? Like, like Amy asked me, why not you? <laughs> why not you? And here's my my question for you. So if you had... You had like a mantra or a sentence or a phrase or something that keeps you going. And we know the feedback is your why and and all that. But is there something you could share with the audience about, you know, being in your purpose? Oh, I have several of them that come to mind. That, that, That one of what would you do if you knew you could not fail, that's still sticks with me. Another one is if not now when mm-hmm. as far as you know putting off our dreams can you see that up there yes it says dream until your dreams come true yep it's so true like why why not keep dreaming i love it and and pursuing your dream not just dreaming about it but doing something to have that tangible outcome dreaming and taking action yes without exactly. fear and being Perfect. courageous yes because Again, if we fail, so what? Right. So yeah, if my podcast fails, who does it matter to? Yeah. And right? Yep. That's why I said, okay, let's just try. Well, I think I had said that you'll be the same age whether you pursue your dream or not. It's true. That you was will. kind of what pushed me to try the running because I like that one. I like that one a lot. You know, I didn't want to start running when I was 45. Well, okay, if you don't start now, then you'll be 46, Jill. And it wasn't like I had the choice of going back and starting running at 20. Right. It's not even an option. You're (laughs) never going to be as young as you are today. (laughs) That's so true. And that's a good way to look at it. That's why you got to make the most of every day. Jill, how can people find you, find your books? Tell us all the ways. If, if anybody is on BookBub, which is fairly new, but it's a great place to find out. If you follow an author on there, you'll find out when their books are on sale. You'll find out when their books are coming out. It's called Book What? How do you spell BookBub? it? If you just um, Google book, B-L-O-K-B-U-B. Bub. Okay. BookBub. And then you can find all your authors on there and you can, if you follow them, then you're going to get updates on anything that happens with their book. Like when my third book is going to be coming out, you would get notified. If my first books are on sale, you would get notified. Do you have a website? Yes. What is that? It it is jillhannahanderson.com. That's pretty simple. 
That is pretty simple. Yep. And that is my real name. I'm named after my middle name is my uh, great grandma's. Oh, I love it. Because I do have people say, well, you know, what's your real name? And that that's it. Because it works um, very well for the author to have that that name. It does work quite well. Yeah. I, I didn't dare go by just Jill Anderson. There's too many, too many Andersons. Oh, sure. so I thought, well, I'll just put my middle name in there. And then, and so far, nobody else writes under that name. So I'm most active on Instagram and Facebook. And what, what are those? What does that look like? Instagram is at Jill H. Anderson. So this is probably too hard for you to. Yeah. Okay. Jill H. Anderson is her Instagram. And Facebook is? Jill Hannah Anderson. Is there anything you want to leave us with today, Jill? Pursue your dreams, ladies. And and look for a support group. It might not be the To Hell and Back Club, but we all need support and reaffirmment. You know, that we are forming a tribe here with Second Wind. Yes. And success is not being at the top. Success to me is being happy in what you're doing. In your purpose. Yes. If it got to the point where I dreaded sitting down to write a book, to me, that's not success. That's pressure. And, and I would, I'd have to stop. That's right. Well, Jill, thank you so much for agreeing to be on second wind and taking a, a leap of faith and like, how did you hear about me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to figure that one out sometime. Thank you we so will. much, Wendy. This was so fun. Jill Thank Hannah you, Anderson. I'm so excited to dabble in your books and take a look and we'll put all this in the notes. Be sure everyone to follow Second Wind. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, Go ahead and breathe in your second wind.